we the pod people, the followers of Dagon, come to supplicate before the great deep one and bask in his slimy blessings. My name is Matisse Van Rossum, and I'm slippery like a fish. Ahoy, I'm Ben Sheets, and I'm uh, exploring the deep unknowns of uh, 2020. I'm uh, Cleveland Mosier, and I'm under a lot of pressure. Well, much like deep sea divers, we are plunged into the great depths, the great inky unknown of 2020. And we've been spending a lot of time down under. Down under what? Pressure. <laughs> pushing down on me. Under. Pushing down on you. Squid monster's bad. Underwater. Under pressure. <laughs> Well, that's right. We're talking about our second film of the new year, the new decade, uh, the brand new film Underwater, directed by William Eubank and starring Kristen Stewart, Jessica Henwick, T.J. Miller, Vincent Castle and John Gallagher Jr. More like William U-Boat. <laughs> Damn, good one. <laughs> This film is about a crew of aquatic researchers who work to get to safety after an earthquake devastates their subterranean laboratory, but the crew has more than the ocean seabed to fear. Even though that is more than enough. <laughs> right, no kidding. <laughs> this has been one of our more anticipated films for a while. Uh, we've been getting bombarded by trailers for months, and uh, I was excited yet uh, skeptical to go into this movie. You know, it, it definitely had some warning signs, some red flags. Uh, it comes out in January. It's uh, PG-13. They sure do show a lot in the trailers. Yeah, I wish um, they had. So yeah, I was I was going into this wanting to really like it, but afraid that it would let me down. Yeah, I, I was I was also nervous to get my hopes up too high for this film. Man, I don't know what you guys were on. I was excited for this movie. It looked great in the trailers, and like that aesthetic, the the bar has been set so low for it in the past yeah. few years with Alien Covenant and Prometheus mm -hmm. that like. My expectations were already low, but I was excited yeah. for it. Because you did bring up, you you were the one to bring up the concerns over it being rated PG-13. Yes, well, I that is, you know, obviously... Always a concern. ...something mm -hmm. to be skeptical of. However, mm -hmm. I thought this movie was pretty damn good. It did everything I wanted it to do, and then some. Jeff I thought is. it was excellent. Oh, beautiful yeah, movie. I would Loved it. This film had a lot of potential to let me down, and I think it did... A pretty damn good job of uh, being a fun, spooky monster movie. It's pretty impossible to talk about this movie without comparing it to other films, uh, most notably Alien, and um, I would say... James Cameron's uh, The Abyss. The Abyss, mm -hmm. and I would also say The Descent. Yes, um, definitely. I think that we should probably go ahead and get out of the way right now that originality is not this film's strong suit but what it lacks in originality it makes up for in execution it's a beautiful and, quilt and aesthetic but well that's the thing i i think i admired in some ways for that rather than going convoluted and trying hard to be original they just stuck to a no nonsense story Very and simple. executed it with excellent, excellent production design and cinematography. Yes. Yeah, and I, I think agree. it's really elevated in part because of that. Absolutely. While we're talking about its influences, I think we'd be remiss 
to not bring up the survival horror game genre as well, because there's a little oh, sure. doubt in my mind that like a number of people on the production for this film were like equally influenced by the likes of Alien Isolation, Bioshock, of course, and also uh, Soma. Yeah, well. I was getting all, really heavy Soma vibes. Which are all like my favorite games ever. And this movie delivers on that style of experience extremely. Well, yeah, well, I, I really appreciate its simplicity. It wastes zero time getting started. Like it begins with the earthquake or whatever that causes a huge portion of this massive station to collapse. Uh, there's some fucking meaningless voiceover narration from Kristen Stewart that I've yeah, already that was forgotten. Having voiceover at the beginning and didn't end. care for it, but a uh, little motivational speech to kick. And right. Finish up well, this is the thing. It does just bookend it. It's not continuous throughout the whole movie. Which I was very thankful. Been awful. Yeah. But I wouldn't say it's entirely necessary at the end, but it does give us a little bit more closure with her character. It does bring a little bit more than just style to the table at the end. And it is sort of necessary to have it at the beginning to set up for that. It's necessary to be right, at the beginning but... and the end, but it would have been fine if neither existed. Yeah, like it, it... I, you couldn't have just done one without the other. Yeah. That would have been weird. The thing is, at, on the flip side, it's it's not bad. No, it's no, not no. like what I'll no, say is like noticeably I, bad. If if you were to just like strip it from the beginning and end, I feel like it would deliver less. The beginning narration gives us at least a sense of, like, her outlook and her, her character, and we're a little bit better able to understand, like, her psyche. Because uh, she talks about, like, existentialism and, you know, like, the, the, the benefits of nihilism and how, like, she's already kind of pessimistic from the beginning. She comes at those well, cir- yeah, any circumstance with, like, died. an engineering mm-hmm. perspective. So she's already somewhat used to loss. She kind of has, like, a darker mindset. And that, in a way, helps her get through a lot of those circumstances. Sure. She's already I think, kind of prepared for the worst. But I think you get a lot of that in her performance without needing the voiceover i would agree i think i think the way i think the way she carries herself especially in that beginning scene you know there's there's a fair amount of like fatigue and exhaustion well especially uh you know right after shit gets real and she runs to the cabin and has to close the door right as she sees people running that way yeah you know we see that kind of loss in the character development right itself. she feels responsible for those deaths uh, even though she couldn't have really done anything about that, that's it. one of the great things i think uh this movie does really well is set up character depth through actions within the movie rather than just exposition yeah there's very little expository dialogue save for like one little section near the end um, and even that, I didn't really mind because it serviced the story in a way. Do you mean when they're when they're walking on the ocean floor? Yeah. She's talking about like her fiance dying mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Uh, it, it felt at least like it had a purpose in that scene. That's also another reason why I don't think we needed the voiceover at the beginning because I think we could have gotten that information in that scene rather than, you know, her moping over a sink looking at a picture of her of her and her fiancé. Yeah, we, we could have gotten, I think, like the initial exposition through dialogue. Like, yeah, I think right. I think the, I think that that scene would have done enough without n- needing to, you know, have her voiceover. Well, yeah, I think if anything, it's it's a prop to uh, how great of a performance Kristen Stewart gives in this. Yeah, she's fantastic. I think a lot of that stuff 
She's is already already expressed just through emotions yeah. and her, the way she carries herself throughout the film. Yeah. An amazing performance. I think she's yeah. quite good in this, yeah. While we're on characters, I think that one of my minor gripes with this movie is I think that a lot of the characters are underdeveloped to the point that I don't care about them. I think that you you glean more from spending time with them than you would through exposition, but like the only characters who feel really fleshed out are Kristen Stewart, our protagonist, and Vincent Castle, who plays like the captain of the expedition. Yeah, who also gives a great performance. I, think, I thought he was really great too, um, and I think that we get just the right little touches about his backstory with his daughter and stuff like that in, in just little snippets without you know, needing to have a whole long scene where he's like, oh, yeah, my, I miss my daughter. Uh, well, the, the subtle way they do that is really fantastic yeah. because, you know, the intern, I don't know what they called it instead of intern. I'm just going to say she's an intern. Um, asked him about if he had kids. And he said, you know, yeah, my daughter is 14. And Kristen Stewart goes, no, she's about my age. And it, it really emphasizes the idea that he, he's been down there so long that he doesn't really have a sense of time yeah. in a way, you know? Well, I really, well, that's what you think at first. No. no. What, what is it she finds in his pocket uh, when a she goes through his locker? A 14th birthday card, because that's the last thing he brought he down. Brought was it a birthday it. card? Okay. Yeah. So the last time he was up above water was yeah. when she was 14. Right. And that's so really, he, he's been down there so long that he thinks yeah. about her still as a 14-year-old girl. That's a really nice been, yeah. way they've wrapped that up. Agreed. And, you know, I really liked that touch. Yeah, and, and it was it was nice, too, like, during that scene, how, like, Emily tries to, like, psychologically break that down, and she gets, like, shut down pretty quickly. You know, she's just like, okay, it's a point of stress and trauma to kind of, like, revert back. That was cool. Props this movie for doing its homework on a number of those things. Right, but then, like, those characters, I think, are really good but then the rest of them emily and smith their whole thing is that they love each other that's all there is to their characters yeah it would it would have been nice to get a little bit more from them like emily emily plays Emily's sort of, a little more flesh yeah a little say, bit I, I like the degree that emily is i like out. i like how she i like how she has her kind of dark night of the soul at the end and has to overcome it i think that mm -hmm. that is more redeeming but i still didn't feel like i really gave much of a shit about her character she seems to sort of play the veronica a Cartwright role in uh, in this to this movie's Alien. She's just the one who's like hysterically scared for most of the movie, mm -hmm. and then you know she sucks it up at the end and is one of the ones who gets away. Yeah. I, I also well, I appreciated too like how Smith uh, like his character was sort of reduced to like a princess in the tower. He had to like be saved by them because like his oxygen suit wearing out. You oh know? yeah. And so like so they, they had, had to drag, drag him, him along across and, the ocean floor. You know, like uh, the fact that like there wasn't the moment where like you have to leave him behind or whatever was good. I, I appreciated that. Yeah, sure. And I think even though I find TJ Miller is kind of an insufferable personality, I think his character was somewhat fleshed out. Yeah, I in thought so. The kind of gesture of the group. All yeah, of his and he was he like, was toned down. I'm glad he wasn't yeah. more over the top. Mm -hmm. He felt he was still the comedy relief, but it felt more like sardonic, like trying to cope his way through a bad situation. It wasn't and taken not to only the using point where humor, he derailed the movie. Right, yeah. not where he's just cracking jokes all the time. It's like he's trying to keep himself sane by being funny, which is what he knows how to do. He felt in place in that world. 
And yeah, sure. also, I felt his character was was largely redeemable as well because his jokes weren't – he wasn't just cracking jokes to make himself feel better. He was trying to uh, boost morale across the whole group. Yeah. And that's – that's pretty admirable, like, in that sort of situation. I appreciated his character a pretty good deal. Well, and also, he dies before he has a chance to get annoying, so... Yes, yes. That's, a, that's another big plus. <laughs> I, I can see where you're coming from with characters being a little underdeveloped, but I think... It's for not a movie really like what I'm this, looking for yeah, in this movie. It wasn't. It wasn't aggravating. Like I understand you have to have like a certain number of people who are just bodies. You know, like people who just need to die. And in that sense, I thought it was okay because at least like our lead is fleshed out enough that I felt like I cared about her. Yeah. You know, we see most of the movie through Kristen Stewart's perspective, so I want to care about her, and I did. So that's all yeah. that really, well, that's all that really Here's matters. what I'll say for the deaths. I just they, found a lot of the characters kind of forgettable. Yes. The, the deaths felt like people dying. They didn't feel like props. They just didn't feel like people you know dying. Yeah. They all for me anyway, like had a great deal of impact. Just, you know, not no, not in the way of like losing someone you've come to know well. Cause the movie spares no expense. Like it's so utilitarian. Like yeah. it just gets right to the the basics. Which it doesn't dick around. I I, I love that. the relentless pace of it. Yeah, speaking of the pace, I want to talk about the scope and how this movie does a really good job of like oscillating between the big picture and the small. From the very beginning, we start with a very broad lens and it does that tried and true like method of showing like the headlines of the circumstance but behind like oh, the this open, drill during being the built. opening credits. I thought they yeah. were very well like the effects were very fun, like the I liked the, the opening they were credits, clean yeah. and fun and you got to see like the the imagery of like the depth levels and it it really it made you feel like you were researching it. Most of those sequences in films do a poor job of that in that they just feel like exposition and that's the only purpose they serve whereas this one i did actually feel like i was doing research while it was popping up and sure. it was showing me data but anyway the film starts out with very with a very broad scope and then it quickly zeroes in uh, apart from a few like expositionary shots which are usually like pretty dark and like hard to hard to break down we focus with the characters throughout the majority of the film until the end where the camera pulls back again and then we we end also with more headlines just to uh, go back really quickly to the narration the reason i think that the narration like isn't insufferable like during those sequences is we're, is we're still zooming in at that point and like generally when you track back you can get away with a little bit more stylization it's when you zero in on the characters like where that sort of stylization can be like really off-putting and doesn't and feel in organic mm. so at that point in the film like it, those points in the film we're still like like oscillating inward and we're still like moving into those like singular characters in this large world if, if we had had that like narration during those sequences of the characters it definitely would have felt inorganic but you know uh, at least it being bookended like that it helps i mean bring yeah us back she's, out in she's by she's by grand, herself you know, so it's like you can think of it as like an inner monologue maybe but even so i just mm. don't think it's necessary i don't you think know, it's terrible and uh, going off of that i think the headlines at the end i wasn't a huge fan of them personally i thought it was such a powerful ending to cut to white yeah that having the the newspaper stuff after that well i thought there was were, like a pop song over the credits I I thought there which were, I didn't like. Well, the weird part was it, it had the newspaper headlines, but it didn't really have any credits. It was just oh, yeah. the headlines, 
without any credits. I was expecting credits with it, and that would be more forgivable because right. it's just like it's oh, an addendum. yeah, it's an addendum. You know, movie's over. Right. And since it didn't have any credits in there, it's just like no, this is the real ending of the movie. Right. All yeah. of these news stories, and it's it's a weird. That's a good point. Distance. From such a personal journey yeah, throughout the film, yeah, because we've oscillated back yeah. out. Yeah, I can well, I can dig that. Like, I think the pop song didn't didn't help. It was a weird choice, and it felt very like executive. Like, yeah. oh, we're gonna Guardians of the Galaxy. This we got to put some like a pop song yeah, in there somewhere. I like, agree. It's, it felt it's, it's out like of, such it a common trend right now that like at least it's not during the film um, for sure. Like that would have been nightmarish. And on that quick note, sound design ten out of ten. Like, oh yeah, well that, that makes the film like yeah. It, the the sound design is incredible, especially how smoothly it transitions from interiors and exteriors, and when they're you know walking around on the bottom of the ocean, and you'll get cuts to inside their helmets, and it feels much more claustrophobic. It's and the sound it's changes. incredibly yeah, immersive. It's really, really. You know, well done. it's it's funny because I know right now. The big Dolby movie is 1917. Like, all the Dolby theaters are showing that. But I wish I could see this movie in Dolby. Oh, yeah, I Because agree. I think the sound design is I so agree. encompassing and immersive. Rich. Yeah. That uh, it just asks to be consuming the audience. Mm. I think on top of that, the score as well is really excellent stuff. Perfect. Um, a lot of the synth stuff was a nice balance of soundscapiness and, like arpeggiation well i liked too that a lot of the music is like in preparation for the big action moments but that there's not as much music during those instances Mm -hmm. like when they're getting ready to you know like leave the the station for the first time and go outside and there's all this like really grand like tense music building up and then they open the door and it's just silent like that I, I yeah that I really liked this film is uh aesthetically extremely similar to alien I like it I think it goes beyond the point of being homage uh, I would say I think honestly I think it does a- aliens aesthetic better than Prometheus did I think so I agree I think you're yeah. right I yeah agree. I think like, I coming think off of like rating like Prometheus aesthetically is like one of my favorite films well of the it has last it has the same this kind does, of does job. It, it does the same kind of like low-tech sci-fi that's what that I was gonna alien say that does really freighter, well. space freighter right exactly it's very type in, of thing. it's very industrial it's it's not sleek it's uh to borrow the word you used earlier cleveland utilitarian Mm -hmm. you know it's meant to serve a purpose and to be able to work under extreme conditions i.e seven miles below the surface of the ocean and so like it's it has that kind of ugliness to it yeah that i that i really like and that works extremely well like i said i think it is so reminiscent of alien that it goes beyond homage though i think i I think that it, you could where I think it it worked extremely well, and it's just another. Uh, and I'm I'll I'll go on a little bit about this or a lot actually about this like throughout the podcast. It's a great testament to the world building because I was noticing that the era of technology changes 
throughout the stations and the rooms that they go to, right? Implying like just how long this has been under operation. Well, when she finds, like, and it feels so much more lived in because like different areas on the ship utilize like tech from from different future eras. Yeah, uh, and so some of them feel, and none of them feel like in their design, like in their casing, they feel like there's almost like an '80s vibe. But the screens and the UI, like it never feels like like dial up or like a right. It feels like, old like green screen tracking stuff like it all it does feel like a believable future yeah one of the iconic elements of like aliens tech is it feels like 80s tech and this film does a good job of making yeah, it, it feel feels, like it feels tech. like believable future for the late 70s mm-hmm. is in alien, alien, yes. in alien right yeah. yeah it feels futuristic and you know that's now part of its charm it's like that's not what the future w- would look like <laughs> but, but i mean also like at the same time you know in alien the nostromo is like a freighter vessel so it's like they wouldn't necessarily be putting like the highest tech like nice stuff on it you know it's once again it's utilitarian it's meant to serve a purpose and this movie captured that to a t and while i think that you would be well within your rights to say that it is a ripoff of alien because i think that that is a fair assertion or at least imitative Yes, uh, the reason why I think that it's justified is I think it captures a lot of the same kind of themes as Alien, as you know, the fears of the unknown and being trapped in an inescapable, hostile environment. And in many ways, the bottom of the ocean is very similar to space. Oh, absolutely. And the way is they it- present that is in in a way that feels... It feels alien, to use the definition of that word, you know, it feels like another place. And I love that the movie starts in the station and ends at the bottom of the ocean, that we are never once in the film above the water. In a lesser movie, we would have the the oh, whole yeah. opening s- sequence of like 15 minutes of... Yeah, we're going to drill to the bottom of the ocean because we're evil capitalists, but we got to assemble our team of crack scientists. We got to go all around the world and get them. And then, you know, they take them out there on a boat and they say, well, how long are we going to be down there? And they say, oh, well, you're going to be down there for six months. So say goodbye to the sunlight. Get your last good looks. It's like, no, this movie jumps us in. They've already been down there for months. And it's like, well. Well, years. It, you might as some of them years. Yeah, it's like you might as well be out in space. You mm. know, like you're you are effectively just as far from the comforts of home yeah. as you would be if you were in the vacuum. Yes. Well, it's funny because I, while I think this movie aesthetically takes a lot from Alien, I did see some other inspiration. You sure. Know, I, a lot of those stark silhouette shots that we got several times in the movie reminded me of like Blade Runner 2049 Mm -hmm. Um, I saw some Descent influences yeah heavily especially uh, with the use of darkness negative Um, space yeah to further go off of your point an example of a film doing it that way would be something like Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. Like this this film very I, easily don't get could me wrong. Deep Blue Sea. Don't get which me wrong. I do love. I love yeah, Deep Blue same. Sea. Same. It's, it's, it's also one of my favorite movies, but it's like a for dumber movie for so sure. many different reasons. Um, well, and, and I will say also outside of like the production design and like the sets, 
and themes, I would say the comparison to Alien kind of ends there. Yes. I think that in terms of the way the film is is shot and the the way the events unfold is not is not very alien. I yeah, think, well, I think I this think, film. I think this film lacks a lot of the quiet subtlety of Alien. Well, that's the thing. But I'm not necessarily looking for that. That's in this the thing. Movie. I think this movie is way more relentless, yeah. and frenetic in its pacing. Alien is true horror. This is definitely more action horror at times. Yeah, but what I I appreciate about it um, being so relentless is you never feel like the the people have a shot against the aliens. Really, right. it's mostly them running away um where in like a lesser action horror movie there'd be fighting back a la aliens right or something of that manner or even you know prometheus or alien covenant yeah there's no real fight scenes in this movie per se you know there's no, they, escape scenes yeah <laughs> exactly yeah they they fight back when they have to but it never feels like they're uh that they're on even footing with the with the underwater creatures. Which I think uh, the the creatures are all the more for it. Yes. One of the key elements of that, uh, and it, it sparks off sort of a larger topic, is like, uh, once again, like going back to, you'll hear this word a lot, the world building and how effective it is because they explain very little. Most of it is just shown. Those creatures living at those pressure levels and those depths would have developed inordinate amounts of strength. Yeah. Just by, like, existing at those pressure levels. So you just know that their raw physical power is outrageous. Which we see. Demonstrated. <laughs> yeah. Which is many demonstrated. Times. Uh, yeah. And I, I loved that. Like, and you, you believe, too, like, throughout the movie that, like, the, the human-sized ones are the threat. That they're the ones just, like, ripping things apart. And that, you know, like, the larger towers are falling because of it. And uh, all the, the bays. Uh, and it's, it's... Uh, Spoilers. Let's get into spoiler territory. It's spoiler time. Yeah. Go see the movie. Uh, if if it's still in theaters, like highly recommended. Yeah, it's not, worth seeing on the big screen. Also, still see it. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's like, definitely a good theater movie for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's a great home movie as well. I'm sure you've been warned. So you do believe that they are the only threat. Yeah. Uh, throughout. And also one more tie-in from Alien is we do see like one small creature at the beginning that they have to do the little sur- surgical study of. Yeah. That story beat was very alien. Yes. Um, well, they find it uh, it, it comes out of a dead body, you know, that yeah. they find. So that is what, yeah, once again, very alien. What I like, though, is that, like, T.J. Miller asks, like, is that a baby, you know, version of the big ones? But that's never explicitly stated one way or another. I, I think that it's ambiguous as to whether that first small creature is just another, you know, creature that lives down there what, or what? if it's a larval form of the larger ones. Yeah, well, what I love about it is it's almost a bait and switch mm-hmm. in a way because you think, oh, while he asks that, you connect in your head. Oh, yeah, that's a baby. Those right. must be small the full to large. size. And then later, <laughs> near the end, it's actually large we to small. see the, the actual large. Yeah. And at a point, we see all of the normal uh, human-sized ones just f- flying off of it. 
at almost like babies in comparison. Right, yeah. yeah, like coming out of off of its skin. You mentioned it earlier, Ben, but I really like the lack of explanation in this movie. It keeps a lot of things vague. We don't really know why they're digging, why they're drilling into the ocean floor. We don't know Energy. anything about this company, you know, which is a, a thinly veiled reference to Wayland yutani from Alien, but we don't know anything about them. There's never a point where they're like, we knew that the that these creatures were down here and we were drilling into the into the ocean floor so we could capture them and use them as weapons. Uh, well, I think the idea is like the drill is off of like tectonic plates and it's like a means of access to like raw energy, like off of like those those heat vents. Yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, I don't why care. Not? That, why not? That's like that's you know, that's for, my point. I don't give a shit. Yeah, for all I care, like this this is a the the third Cloverfield movie. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> right, well, the, the point is, is that like clearly the developers of this movie, the the creators, like did put thought into it. Like, whether they explain it or not, like, you can see that there is a science behind everything. Sure, but it doesn't it doesn't matter because the story is about these people trying to survive. And when you're trying to survive, you don't give a shit about the reasons why. Yeah, and I mean, all, you, all you, you want the world that they're surviving in to feel, like, lived I mean, in. Yeah, and it feels an internal logic to everything. Yeah, but I mean, the, the, the world has its logic, but it's not the film explaining backstory to me that I don't need to understand. Well, right, because... It understands how to do that organically yeah. and to just show it to you and not have a character sit down and do science exposition time. Yeah. Like, and, and I, I appreciate that about it. And, but like from a, a creator's perspective, like you can, you can still see that they put that work in. Oh, and sure. I think that that's, that's well worth bringing up and admiring. We never get a, a full sense, for instance, of like how these creatures see, which I liked. You, you don't know whether or not like the lights actually do. Well, yeah, because even when they on their mul multiple times, they're like, turn off your lights, but the creatures still attack them. So it's like, I don't think the, the lights really matter all that much. Which is super cool because there are shrimp on thermal vents that use black radiation to see they they like they have eyes but they don't actually operate as eyes and they utilize like radiation to f for sight so like there's a lot of cool ways to see like as an underwater yeah. creature I, I i agree with you like i i like that we don't really need to know why just that they do f make their way around and that's another reason why i think that you know maybe that first creature we see the little one is not the larval form of the human-sized ones because they make the point of that small one like it doesn't have eyes. Mm -hmm. And then the big ones do have eyes. Yes. And also the big ones are, they they look like, the little one looks like a little squid Cthulhu monster and the big ones look like people. So mm -hmm. they're, Until uh, they don't. Until they don't. <laughs> uh, they're very, that's that's another, another uh, good influence to bring up. This is obviously heavily influenced by H.P. Lovecraft because the these monsters are basically just the deep ones from Shadow Over Innsmouth. Yeah. A little less fishy, but, you know, they're basically, basically the same. But I liked it. I, I don't need to know why they are down there or where they are from uh, or how long they've been there. I just know that they are there and they are mean. <laughs> Yeah, because there's a lot of, like, real science. I uh, After we watched the movie, I um, pulled up uh, an article from uh, Oceanus um, and uh, just, just started, like, reading about, like, like the original discovery of, like, vent worms and, like, chemosynthetic life. Just got, like, really, like, into that. And I was finding that, like, where we're at right now, there's actually, like, a lot of legitimate theory that 
could lend to something like this, which is horrifying. Um, <laughs> like, like how little we do truly know um, is, you know, often said. But if you give me a moment just to, just to find like this, like one quote that like l- sure. legitimately like terrified me. Well, that's the thing. I, I find uh, deep sea stuff so rich as a subject, uh, especially for horror. We know so little. Uh, we know about so our little, oceans, and yeah. the the deep sea, you know, creatures we have seen are so unearthly. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's, that's strange. And on top of that, it is on our planet. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, that's why uh, sea life was so influential to the creature designs in Lovecraft's work is because, like, in the early 1900s, people were just starting to see those kinds of creatures for the first time, you know, or, or the common knowledge was, you know, being spread in scientific journals and stuff. And all of a sudden, a lot of the world was being exposed to very strange and bizarre are animals that they'd never seen before and like if you're a horror writer that's like excellent fucking uh material for you to use yeah and it's like equally horrifying to to like go to the root of like the modern science behind it and not have it be necessarily disproved yeah (laughs) to have those things still open like let me let me just read this to you real quick like it's it's a and i I might i might read a couple more parts of this article because it it is legitimately fascinating and terrifying there have always been a great need to place hydrothermal systems in more of a quantifiable biochemical context for the rest of the ocean he said we've known that the mixing of hydrothermal fluid with seawater is driving chemosynthesis and that there appears to be high activity at vent sites and biological processes happening faster than in the rest of the deep ocean but what we haven't been able to really quantify is how fast the microbes are oxidizing chemicals and growing and how much biomass, particularly carbon, the building block of life they are producing. <laughs> so it's like, how fast do these things grow? How quickly do they appear? We don't really fucking know. And the no. article goes on to say, too, that um, uh, in 2009 or so, like uh, in the past like decade, they went back to the original place that they f- they first found life off of one of the, the trenches. They, they went back to the location and they found that it had been like entirely destroyed by like magma currents and, and whatnot, by like volcanic eruptions. Mm-hmm. And like all that life was gone. And they were trying to figure out like originally they thought that the distance that the microbes could travel, essentially like the, the baby equivalent of these creatures could travel was not en- great enough to like reach another thermal vent. Um, and then they found that there are way more thermal vents on the bottom of the ocean than we thought. And then they went on to prove that those creatures could actually subsist like over great distances. So like we have these creatures at the bottom of our own ocean that can like at a very small level, like reproduce, spread out to other vents and like reproduce again into the greater depths of the ocean. We still don't know what kind of life can team down there. But what we do know is that, like, the qualifications required for life to be created because of our research on these vents is likely. So there is something down there potentially well, like, like this. And every- we don't know how fast they can produce because, like, it, their rates of growth are pretty fucking high. Maybe there is a Cthulhu at the bottom of the ocean. Who fucking knows? <laughs> like, I mean, it's amazing. Every deep sea creature that they've discovered that we've seen is nightmarish in some way or yes. another. <laughs> so, like, literally alien. Like, they yeah. subsist on a completely different means of life than we do, which yeah. is why, like, Talk about the coolest job title ever. Astrobiologists are, like, studying the deep sea and teaming up. Like, NASA and WHOI, like, like work 
pretty regularly together to like better investigate means of how terrestrial life can subsist by the bottom of our own ocean. Because Jesus Christ, if stuff can grow in like no sunlight only by the means of like chemicals producing. Also, there's a lot of like theory in place right now because a lot of like biology can be tracked back to like vent life that we all come from it. We ourselves came from these deep oceanic depths and whoa. You know, like to be a part of it, like and to to feel like we have our own like ancestral connection to these vents. I mean, that's that's as Lovecraftian as it gets, right? Like that that shadow over Innsmouth realization that you are like a a, a child of this 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 horrific construct. Ooh, I love it, and it's all real. Like ah. that's the abyss for you, mm-hmm. James Cameron, right there. <laughs> there there were even like in the seventies, there were theories that the life was actually created by man visiting those depths. And that accidentally, like, we brought biology down to those vents which were primed for life but didn't have life. Our biology got into those vents and that those creatures are us. Like, there's some... Dun, dun, dun. Wacky theories, man. That's actually where the term life finds a way was originally coined in the scientific community. I was told this once. I've been trying to find, like evidence that backs that up and that it wasn't just Jurassic Park. But um, <laughs> um, uh, the, uh, uh, I, w- I was told that by a member of the Explorers Club, if that helps. But uh, like from yeah, what I understand, there's was, there was originally like theorization that was the case. And I love that because like in regards to this movie, there's like a potential that like our own biology created just like this soup of horror that like is what is like attacking the drill at the end, that it might also be human. And like that is actually like a reasoning for why they look humanoid at times. So spooky, man. I, I guess let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about uh, the big surprise at the end. Yeah, I'll let um, y'all go. I, I just rambled for like a couple minutes. Yeah, well, uh, Kristen Stewart is making her way. Uh, she and, and Emily dragging Smith, uh, making their way to the, the current site of uh, where the drill is because there's some escape pods there so they can they can hopefully get out. And uh, there's this really fantastic scene of... Of uh, them, like, trying to walk to the door and just, like, all of these creatures are, like, hanging, suspended from the ceiling, like, sleeping. You know, it reminded me of the the Silent Hill, like, nurses sequence, you know? A little bit. Yeah, where they have to, like, move through them. Yeah, where it's like you have to get around the sleeping dragon. And there's, like, this this, this strobing red light that comes on every couple of seconds. You can see them and then you can't... uh, The whole way that scene is done is is really uh, fantastic. Did you guys see what they were tethered to at the like at any point? I thought they were just they were tethered to like the ceiling of that space and that like there was just all their their messy, gross biology, like all like slimy goo all over the ceiling. And I thought they were going through a tunnel. So like when the ceiling lifted, I was very surprised. Yeah, no, I thought it was a tunnel too, like leading like the, the, the like a submersible would go in to reach the door of the of the the base or whatever. But yeah, I guess that was just part of the 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 giant one. Yeah, what a great uh, reveal! Because uh, yeah, they they well do done. wake them up, and Kristen Stewart kills one that tries to swallow her whole in a really deliciously horrifying uh, scene. But then, like the whole done. the whole yeah. ceiling, like lifts away when they all wake up, and it's like, oh shit! And she sees something off in the distance and fires a flare over there, and then you just see like this massive toothy maw with like a beard of tentacles, and like uh, it's just like a spark of it off in the distance. It's even then, it's so subtle, and it you know what it really reminded me of is the. 
it came out in the past decade, but it was the like the Call of Cthulhu movie that was like done like with like period technology. Oh yeah, I never saw that Me one. Neither. The it's, one in the black and white. Yeah, it's yeah, very I high really on my list, but there are shots in it of like Cthulhu rising from the ocean depths that look very similar. Yeah, they um, did another they did another one like that for the Whisperer in Darkness. Also in the two thousand like uh what was it, like six or so, like Godzilla. No, 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 that was like two thousand three. 14 like Godzilla movie. yeah the Gareth um, Evans one yeah that was 2014 like the the shot with like the flare that goes up the side of Godzilla yeah. like it reminded me of that but like well it's kind of oh, it's kind of the same so but well just done. like yeah I I just love like this this you know endless black void of ocean you know and you just don't know what is lurking out there and it could be something titanic as as we've yeah. seen the thing I love about how they present that too is while we definitely see more of that monster and i'm very happy that we do we we see it pretty well yeah yeah yeah. it never feels like they're overplaying their hand no i think it's still shrouded in enough darkness in enough unknown yeah that it's still very frightening well here is their saving grace beforehand they they put an ideal amount of focus on just the horrors of like existing in that pressure. The first monster of the movie is is just the pressure levels. Yeah, they're, the first the first at. guy we see die just mm-hmm. gets imploded because there's a fracture in his in his helmet. And that comes to like the other really really good bit of world building that this film like utilizes, and that's like how like the science is handled around the pressurization. The small moment I didn't think you you found it very neat, but like I I went kind of like sci fi geeky over oh, when I yeah. saw that they were using like liquid <laughs> liquid oxygen like in their amazingly designed like diving suits. The suits are cool. They look, look like yeah, space suits. Yeah, yeah. very like, cool. Um, there are a few concept artists online that I, I think might have been like behind their design like that I've been like following for a while. I love the ring while. lights around their head. Oh, it looks so yeah. good. Yeah, glow. Dead Space is a huge and when they're, uh, as well. when their oxygen gets low, the, the ring lights in their helmet turn red. Yeah, just uh, like, like, really, like, like uh, Isaac Clarke's spine yeah. in Dead Space. It's like a really yeah. nice visual cue. It's like, danger! Danger, <laughs> 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 This person's, about, this person's almost out of oxygen. Yeah, and on that note, there's a really great, like, science point where where Smith's, uh, like, he gets attacked by one of the man-sized creatures and, like, when they're they're out in the depths. And they're they're dragging him back in and they see that his, his pack has been damaged. And they say to him, like, close your eyes, like, as they're pulling him in. And that's because, like, at those pressure levels, like, if his suit begins to give a little bit, the first thing that will happen is your eyes will explode. Like, they'll, they'll pop like balloons. And it was just like, you don't need to see it. You just need to hear them say, like, cover, like, close your eyelids, and you know. And that is so much spookier. Like, that is the way, and we, oh, God, that's, like, it's really good world building. Like, Sidetrack, my favorite movie where they show that is Total Recall. Oh, oh yes, of course. With Artie. <laughs> of course, balloon yeah. up and just explode. No, that's fantastic. Excellent. And with, with the suits, also, just to backtrack a little bit, too, my sci-fi geek thought was that the they're using liquid oxygen in the back for like pressurization purposes because they can't just have like an oxygen tank because of like pressure changes as like the oxygen like turns to carbon. So like they have it as liquid oxygen in a package instead that's converted while they're on the go. And later on when the captain like I was going to say is that that what Vincent Castle blows himself up with? That's why it's so fucking smart like uh, because like it just basically he immediately converts all of his liquid oxygen into oxygen like into oxygen oxygen and that's what that detonation is. 
which is why it's blue that like the liquid cool oxygen. Moment, yeah. And that's so well thought out, man. Like, and that's what I'm fucking here for. And like, if you don't know what's going on, he hits a button and it's a cool explosion. And we're moving on, you know, like you don't need to know, but if you do, it's just that extra bit. And like, that's how you world build, man. You don't need to do like Mr. Science breaking everything down. I know just not, not everything there. needs well, to be explained. That's, yeah. that's a really good point. I would almost consider this movie hard sci-fi. I would too. You know? Yeah. It's I very so. science heavy, you know, without being very dry mm-hmm. at any point. <laughs> like it's it's the opposite of dry I mean, quite, I th- quite I think, literally. Yeah, I would I would agree that it's that it's hard sci-fi where it needs to be, but it also does rely on a fair amount of suspension of disbelief cuz like if you really wanted to get nitpicky Well, I mean, so does hard like, science fiction though. Right, I mean, there's, yeah, if you really wanted fiction. to get nitpicky, yeah. there's no way that like I would want to know what those suits were made out of so that they can withstand the pressure of seven miles worth of water like because those suits should have been crushed like a like an aluminum can you know but Mm -hmm. also like because we never see the world above and we just see this sort of like alien space under under the sea you know we never know we don't know what time period this is we don't know if it's supposed to be present day or near future or far future or what and bless him for that well they still read newspapers so it can't be that <laughs> yeah, far in the future. Oh, that, 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 that could just be like their uh like they're just their space reddit like that could just be like future reddit like that's fine you know that just they're just articles popping up. We we they're on like a a, a sci fi looking screen. Like they're not like newspaper printed articles. Like well, I mean the the ones right before the end credits were kind of newspaper. Well, maybe, maybe that's just the UI that like that digital newspaper <laughs> uses. You know, like hey, you can explain that. Like that's fine. <laughs> anyway, overall, I'm I'm agreeing with you guys. I think that this would definitely fall into the hard sci fi camp. Like everything feels believable within the setting Mm -hmm. you could pick it apart if you wanted to but there's nothing that's like wait a second that doesn't make sense i appreciated that Oh, just because y- y'all y'all brought up some some minor pro- uh, concerns with like the 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 narration at the beginning and like some of the characterization, I will say there was one moment that had me a little bit iffy. I, I don't see it as like a problem, uh, and I think that it I, I do see it as like somewhat necessary for like the the themes of the film, like with the big reveal of like the the big spooky monster. But Emily's bit about oh. We've gone too deep. Like we've we you know we we took too much. Yeah, it's the it's and the, now Mother Earth is fighting back. Right. Yeah, it's the, we no, tried to yep. be God from from Jurassic Park. Bit. Yes. Like, but it works because our character is already having a breakdown there. Like it is the thing that you would you know like she's a trying could think. to. She's the one who's always trying to rationalize rather mm-hmm. than just accepting the situation and dealing with it. Yeah. So like it makes sense for her, but I I rolled my eyes a little bit at that one. <laughs> yeah, too. I, I was concerned also with her character and her. Her breakdown i did very much so like the the rendezvous like reconnection moment with um uh, oh with her and kristen stewart yeah with yeah with, yeah, yeah, with yeah. her and nora like when she's coming up on her from behind and she's calling out to her and you think that the radio's busted because she can hear her but it's like oh maybe her radio isn't working or something and like we don't know and it's just that she's so in her head that she's just so like caught up in her breakdown moment that she just can't hear yeah her, like externally or and she's not like, she has paying, to snap yeah. her out of it well i like too that when nora catches up to her and kind of like grabs her she, she thinks she's a monster she thinks yeah she thinks she's being attacked and she closes her eyes because she doesn't want to look at it mm-hmm. and and chris has to be like hey it's me open your eyes look i got you it's me it's okay mm-hmm. like i i thought that was a, a really nice little human moment i appreciated that uh, all of these people did whether they were well 
developed or not, they did at least feel real. They yes. did feel like real people. And I think that that's just kind of a hallmark of just like the simplicity. Like nothing in this movie has to be over explained because you get everything you need from just experiencing it. It's not about the bigger picture. It is. It's literally just about survival. And I love the reveal of the, the big monster at the end that has the little ones crawling out of it. Because- I heard you in the theater just be like, yes, this is what I wanted. You two better think of like you're, you're just like, yes, this is, what I wanted. <laughs> this is what I wanted. I kind of like guessed partway through the movie. It's like, I wonder if there's going to be a really big one. Nah, there's they, always a bigger fish. Like, you got to like, do it. I was like, nah, they probably there's they, always a bigger fish. They probably won't be ballsy enough to do that. And then they do. And I was like, oh, yay, because I mean, it is so it's so Lovecraftian. It could very easily be read as as a god, as as Dagon, you know, uh, and they wait until that part of the film to have anything other than industrial music. Like, that's the only part where, like, of the film where you get, like, a theme. You get, like, a like an actual medley, and it becomes almost, like, op- operatic. Like, it's still, it's still like, industrial epic, synths. Yeah. But, yeah, well, like, you get, like, this, like, actual like the grandiose. Most part of the movie. Yeah, yeah, like, you have to. Like, if you're going to see, like, a monster like that, you have to have, like, an ep- epic, like, track. It just, it feels so much more grand. And, and so. something, something else I think a lesser movie would have done, and that's not to say that this is a bad idea, but I can just picture how it would have been done in a worse movie is that at some point in one of like the other stations or somewhere they they meet like another person who's been like surviving who like knows about the monsters oh, and like yeah. and worships the oh, the yeah. the god you know like the, the, you know what it would be it would be the 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 head of the operation like the executive who's come down oh yeah and, like, sure. is is try is like yes we found this and we can tap into its power right exactly <laughs> we can harness its its magic yeah uh, so, we can use this to fight you know to to fight in the Middle East we yeah can do we, it. we really didn't get any Let's of harness the, the power we of can Cthulhu use this against, against ISIS against Iran <laughs> we didn't get any of those humans are the real monsters bro, moments right no movie, not in this case I, I'm so glad for yeah I liked I liked to move where like the human characters are all good redeemable people just trying to survive the monsters are the monsters simple clean <laughs> you know just and, and not, like, not convoluted you can read the the big monster as a Lovecraftian deity if you choose or just like a freak of nature that's been living in a subterranean uh, you know world for however long right. you can whatever you want it hits like every like perfect story beat for that it could be like the the myth of waking the sleeping dragon we drilled to the core we we awoke this thing we've we've brought out its ire or you can also just like as we've been doing this entire podcast like view it from like a hard science perspective like it's still believable and yeah and and they made the sleeping dragon like believable and like fucking all the stars for that like i really cannot praise this movie enough on that front once again no explanation just the fact that it exists that's all you need Mm -hmm. because Kristen stewart and these other characters don't care why it's there they don't care why any of this is happening they just want out and i appreciate that the film doesn't try to make us care why any of this is happening either we also just want them out and speaking of getting out 
Uh, shall we uh, wrap it up with the the last little bit with Kristen Stewart's uh, noble sacrifice? They make it in, into the base. The big monster is attacking things and wreaking all kinds of havoc. And they get to the escape pods, and Kristen Stewart discovers that there's that only two of the three are working. Well, see, here's what I like about it, like from a writer's perspective, right? It's not that two of three are working. It's that the third one is problematic. She, as an engineer, could still get it to launch, theoretically. Like, she could still take means to get out of there Absolutely, if she chooses yeah. to, which makes her decision, like, to not all the more Oh, see, I didn't, I didn't read it that way. I read it as she looked at it, immediately knew that it was futile, and that she lied to Smith and Emily so that they wouldn't feel bad about leaving her behind. Well, I, I read that to, it's a little bit to an extent, but then uh, near the end, after that, when both the others had launched, and she's looking at the screen, and she keeps looking back to the pod, it's that decision that yeah. she's making. Right. Like okay, yeah. Also, see, like, throughout the movie, that. we see her, like, fixing similar me- broken mechanisms. Well, see, it looks... Like, they keep playing up, like, her with the doors, or, like, like several times, like, her with, like, the tracking equipment, like, like... Oh, the, yeah, no, 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 like, I, got, yeah. I got all that, but it looked to me like that third pod was covered with rubble on the top like it wouldn't be able to get out like it was damaged mm. that's the way that i read it i mean you you yeah you, you could very well be right i just yeah. i was I, the implication like like it was the machine wasn't letting her jettison it because of like potential problems but there was still a chance see the, she the could, way she, was, like, she could just like she's already like overridden the machine several times throughout the movie that she could just do it again and get and maybe get out of there the way i read it was that she knew it was hopeless and that because she's already been sort of in this state of grief over the loss of her fiancé and feeling incomplete, and she sees the pureness of Emily and Smith's love, that she is willing to sacrifice herself so that the two of them have a chance. Mm -hmm. So that it was never about her getting out, it's about getting them out, and her sacrifice feels earned because Mm -hmm. she has that piece of her missing. See, I, I definitely read that as well, and I think even if the pod was salvageable whatsoever, it makes it even more powerful sure. as a statement because she's deciding that it's yeah. not worth. Right. Well, she makes the choice she, to sacrifice herself for them because she yeah, sees it like yeah. that's the only way that they're going to get out of there. Yeah, because all of the the little monsters come off of the big one and they're swimming up towards. The, Which look great. They look great at like on yeah. the little like the, the the little user interface on this console. It looked great yeah. like when they they show it. Yeah, super spooky. And so she overloads the core and blows the dri- blows up the drill. Well, also, there's a cool mirroring of themes with that like with that decision there because we see Rodrigo at the beginning put on the helmet for the first like kill in the movie like when the suit depressurizes or pressurizes and like he he implodes yeah um afterwards we have like Kristen stewart or nora saying like he, he knew it knew. was cracked well we but yeah. he just had to press on anyway yeah and so he didn't say anything and like that kind of makes his character heroic and yeah. that like he was just like well i'm gonna try and see but like i'm not gonna worry everybody else like in case it's fine and i mean there's a lot of own character yeah. like is sort of presented with that same situation at the very end so there's a nice you know sort well of and she element. and vincent castle sacrifices himself for her as mm-hmm. well so there's kind of a series of noble sacrifices in the movie it's that the makes it yeah it's thematic imagine 
imagine that. Uh, it feels earned for her at the end. You know, it's it's sad because you like her character and you want her to survive, but you know she's sacrificing herself for something greater than she is also it allowed the final moment where like she sort of like embraces the explosion it allowed all of those other slow-mo shots in the movie to be thematic too which was very appreciated on my end because those those were some of the most stylistic things that they did in the film like those those like shots where there's an explosion and then time slows down yeah there was a little bit of speed ramping at times which i always kind of cringe at i would would have found it more cringy if they weren't so well executed like that first one when she's like flying across and there's the water dripping off her shoulders like damn that was a good shot one of the things i liked about a lot of them is a lot of them were so dark for example, when the captain Vincent Castle is exploding, we get that slow mo ramping of her silhouette. Yeah, uh, you know, in front of the explosion, which it, is a really nice callback to before when they're in the pod and they see the explosion above them, and it silhouettes the creature in the window before it swims away. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, a lot of the ramping it just it's so stylistic yeah. that it doesn't feel cheap. In the also, way it because, does in also because also because it's Snyder not stuff. Yeah, also because it's not like fight scenes. Yeah, and there's not like, the only, like action music playing. The only it. the only part where the speed ramping was a little bit dubious in my opinion was when she was fighting the the monster that tried to eat her is there's a little bit there are a few shots that where they did speed ramping in that sequence and i it didn't feel quite motivated to me but it was short enough and that sequence is so good and ends so spectacularly with her firing the flare gun down its throat uh that i i I I already want to watch that scene again it was a yeah when it comes to just like the time dilation in general like I, I appreciated how the film gave you the initial impression that like they were they had to wait an extended period of time and a lot of those airlocks for pressure changes and that the journey that these characters have to go from this one section of the station to the other takes course over the span of like an entire day. Once they established like the grueling weight of those pressurization chambers, like they they cut past them like uh, very fluidly and organically. Also, how did y'all feel about the dialogue during some of those high intensity sequences when they're running from stuff and they're talking to each other? Because I felt like it was really or like it was really naturally delivered, which made it sort of like hard to understand what they were saying at times. And there was a lot of like a lot of lost dialogue in the pandemonium. And it felt real to me. And a lot of movies yeah. don't take that risk. And they like they put more focus on the dialogue being like clear and audible, which makes things feel stale. And I tend to appreciate like like slurry dialogue during well, those I sorts would, of scenes because they're running that- around. So they're going to be kind of slurring i would say that in general a lot of the movie in combination with the camera work and the darkness and just the general aesthetic that a lot of it is quite disorienting i would say that there are many many times in the movie where i couldn't quite tell exactly what was happening or what something was but i got the gist of it enough to not feel lost and i think that was intentional yeah definitely well and i'm i mean i feel like the sound mixing in the same respect as you were saying cleave was a similar thing yeah it almost in terms of sound mixing it almost reminded me of uncut gems 
at times with how There's loud people yelling the, over the, each other. The, yeah. the music and uh, sound design were in comparison to the dialogue and how and overlapping too. Yeah, just like it could like, be sometimes. Though the specifics of the words aren't necessarily important. It's more like you can you get what you need to mm-hmm. from the delivery and the intensity. Yeah, like like a lot of like shouted lines are getting yeah. lost over like bursting beams and you know like paneling and yeah, you know, right, shredding. exactly. And like it's hard to tell exactly what's happening a lot of the time and I think that that really lends itself to the movie feeling uh, more claustrophobic and and anxiety-inducing. The disorientation is actually something I enjoyed quite a bit. Oh, yeah. It Especially, does a good job of, like, tracking in and out of characters. Yeah. Like, it, it, it knows when to show, like, a third-person shot and when to, like, a helmet shot. Like, it, it cuts very nicely yeah. to, like, feature creatures at what times. I'd love to see the behind-the-scenes for this movie. Like, I want to know what the little like interior helmet rig look like to get like the camera like those those camera shots like inside the helmet you get a vibe that like it's probably like an extended like helmet to like cover probably. across like yeah. I'd, I'd like to see how that was I done wonder how much of this stuff was yeah. composited composited and green screened in general mm-hmm. yeah because at times it almost gave me a, a vibe of like a gravity or something yeah, like that. I where, agree. Like a lot of it is actually composited, but it's done so well I'd that also, it's not as apparent. I'd also wonder how much of the movie they actually shot underwater if they built underwater sets or if the water effects were just digital because a lot of it like did feel it, it felt underwater you know and I, I would fucking hope so for a movie called underwater <laughs> yeah, right but like it, yeah, box to check. you know it, it a lot of the stuff where they're like walking around on the on the floor of the ocean you know it feels weighty and their movements feel hampered yeah there was such an the authenticity to it yeah some of those set pieces like inside the station where there's like the collapsed view screens on the walls and like the water's pouring down all around them like and you see the exposed electronics like yeah that very very good set design especially for how uh quickly they move from set to set yeah and how like even though the camera like a lot i'm of the sure there were is very many paste i'm sure there were many many repurposed a lot of that was there i'm sure there are many repurposed sets oh loads uh, like well repurposed each one feels unique and feels lived in too like the 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 set dressing is really good Mm -hmm. i also just love how there's very little middle ground between extremely intense claustrophobia and uh the opposite of of that and just being like so small and like this really vast dark you know space mm-hmm. uh that, yeah scope yeah uh, once again like you know like uh tracking in and out like them crawling through those tiny spaces the only other times i felt like that claustrophobic in a viewing experience was like uh resident evil 7 i think you know when you have to like go through the tunnels like, oh the game i thought you were yeah. talking about the um, movie no 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 the, the game definitely definitely the game um but uh yeah, i yeah. think they're probably at seven in terms of those movies right? easily oh yikes yeah. yeah maybe nine um and uh but anyway like there are several like sequences throughout the film where like i could really only compare them to games and their effectiveness yeah. I, I was i was quite i quite mean a impressed. lot of the a lot of the claustrophobic shit was just straight out of the descent and i mean mm-hmm. for like well, also the I color would... correction the descent i think the biggest scare and the one that that 
I remember so much is the camera with the, one, night the vision, first time yeah. you see the monster and like they do the kind deep of the sea underwater thing. with the green lighting. Um, it feels the same way. Uh, and, th- and there have also been a number of games. What's the one where you're in the madhouse? There was a sequel to it. Oh, uh, Outlast. Outlast. Yeah, yeah. You get, like that same like green lighting, you know, where you just get well, yeah, the, the camera the night vision. Yeah. yeah, like it It was just like the, the green color tinting, but it definitely gave it that same. And I mean, the feel. yellows and oranges and stuff of mm-hmm. the tungsten and lighting is uh very similar like definitely this movie imitates several other things but i will say that if you're gonna be influenced by things it's taken like some of the best of the mm-hmm. best influences oh, absolutely like, well, i mean like alien and the descent and lovecraft and the abyss it's like these are all very good very good things to imitate if right, you're well, gonna do it you know at a certain point you have you have to recognize too that like rohan in lord of the rings is, is just like beowulf you know yeah, like scandinavian totally. stuff and like that the the mythology of lord of the rings even can be like just pulled from like core cultural mythologies in europe and, i would say the lord of the rings is a little bit more original than underwater well but i mean also, I, like, I, under, you know, I understand where you're coming from like a century of you know like of uh sources to pull from right uh but but yeah like that's my my central my bit with it is like it's at the end of the day i think what's most important is is execution i'm going to the, the movies to see a fun movie you yeah. know, I want to have a, an entertaining experience, mm-hmm. and if it's like if it's a concept I've I've uh, encountered before, like that is more than okay, and that's coming from a concept artist. Like my job is to create original designs, but the fact of the matter is, is like if you can create a compelling experience, you know, using story beats I've seen before, if the execution's good, I could give a shit. Like I'm quite pleased. This film, like it doesn't just pull from one singular source. I mean, of course, Alien is the primary one. But, like, it, it knows, like, when to use, utilize actual science. It knows when to pull from, you know, other other great works and other media apart from cinema yeah. as well. Like, there's little question in my head. These cats have played some survival horror games. For sure. Like, and they knew how to translate that back into cinema. Well, like I, like I said at the beginning, like, what it lacks in originality and unpredictability, because uh, I would say it's a, a pretty predictable film for the most part, it completely makes up for in aesthetic and execution mm-hmm. yes craftsmanship is craftsmanship yeah there. totally let's just wrap it up then yeah, uh, yeah you, you gave a good rant why don't you just finish up and draw a rating on that oh i mean like no film is perfect but this one is absolutely perfect for me five stars Excellent. easy five stars from me okay yeah i thought this was one of the best January movies I've ever seen. Probably since Annihilation. It's uh, the best movie of the decade so far for me. Yeah, same. Um, It's uh, really incredible. Uh, The acting is great. Uh, The aesthetic is great. The execution is great. I love how fast-paced and no-nonsense it is, really. Um, This is a four and a half out of five for me. I love it so much. Yeah, geez. Uh, wow, yeah. I, I liked this movie quite a bit, too. I don't think I was quite as uh, blown out of my socks as you guys were. Uh, I think that it does suffer from from some lack of originality and that, that it was a little bit predictable. Like, uh, our buddy Jim, who is watching it with us, was basically calling the deaths before they happened, like, leaning over to me. Well, yeah, but I, also, I, like, tension building. Like, sure, not sure, every sure. death has to be a surprise. Like, it sometimes it's scarier if yeah, you know yeah, it's yeah. coming. No, 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 I agree. I agree. I think that... 
This movie might have been elevated by an R rating, but for a PG-13 monster oh. movie, it does a pretty damn good job. I think this is just about the best way you can do a PG-13 horror movie. I think it's this surprisingly is, gruesome at I, times. Honestly, yeah, I think that's another talking point. You finish your rating, though. But Anyway, I was less upset by the PG-13 rating than I expected, but I think it still could have been elevated by an R rating. Solid movie overall. I'm going to give it a four out of five. I liked it quite a bit, but uh, I'm curious to see how it'll hold up on subsequent rewatches and how memorable it will be for me in the long term. Because uh, we we just got back from seeing it, so it's still very fresh and very exciting. And those high octane movies, you, you come out of it with a high, and right, like, your exactly. perspective can change over and, time. And yeah, I'm yeah. and I'm I'm just wondering how well that stuff will really last with me, you know, six months down the line. But for now, I, I agree with you completely, Ben. Not only is it the best film of the year so far, but the best film of the decade. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that will give Underwater an average of four and a half out of five pods for us. Well, uh, do you guys want to be angry now? Um, well, before we do, I do want to talk a little bit more, since you brought it up, about the rating, because I actually disagree i think it was elevated for having a pg-13 rating i honestly think that like more like extensive gratuity and seeing seeing more of the horror would have detracted from it i think that like when the our our first death like when the guy explodes like and you just see the floating bits and you can't really tell what the bits are you see a glove and like some other stuff that's way worse than seeing the gore that's way spookier to me. I actually agree. I like, think I, I think don't think it would have been a better lot with of gratuity. how much of the stuff is implied uh, really helps keep them from overplaying their hands. Especially when the world time. feels so grounded already and thought out, like that it allows your imagination to to build around those events so much better. I, I honestly like give like mad props to this movie m maintaining that rating. Um, yeah, it's maybe my favorite execution of a PG thirteen movie. I might be inclined to agree. Yeah. I'll need more time to think about um, it, but I think I think you're right. Yeah, this or Krampus, I would say. Krampus probably, is also a great uh, one for that. The best examples that I can um, think of. But yeah, now we can but get yes, into the, the uh, We have predictions, predictions that we did for this whoop, one. Whoop. So are you guys ready to be sad, very sad? Well, yeah, I'm um, sure this movie is not super critically well so, received. Uh, yeah. TC you predicted a Rotten Tomatoes score of 60. Cleve, you predicted 77, and I predicted 76. It's at 50. Yes. I mean, n not good for the movie, but I kind of figured this would be the and, case. That's why I uh, lowballed. In terms of opening weekend box office, probably Tease, also not great. You said 15 million. Cleve, you said 60 million. And I Aww. said 16. Get million. ready. Get real. I've, uh... It's 7 million. No! Damn. It did worse than The Grudge. No! Well, uh, I, that doesn't surprise me because yeah. this is this is an IP and The Grudge has name recognition. Yeah. This is like this is a that new doesn't IP, that yeah. doesn't it surprise makes me, me at all. sad. Yeah, yeah the, the Grudge. It does. does. This it is a this is a significantly sad. better film than The Grudge. But I'm not surprised. Mm. I think the reason we all enjoyed this film so much is because it was a departure from the normal especially PG-13 horror fare that is usually out there. This felt like a real movie 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I, you know, I think that a lot of horror audiences aren't quite looking for that. They're looking for shit that's more like The Grudge and more like Annabelle and The Conjuring. So I can't say I'm terribly surprised. But what about our preliminary ratings? Uh, well, you hit it on the money. Uh, you predicted four for yourself. Yeah. Cleve, you predicted four and a half. So you were half off. And I predicted four. So I was half off. Mm, All right, Cleve, we're tied. You got all three last time. I got all three this time. Oh, shit, you're right. Step it up, Uh, man. So uh, next week, not only will we be revealing our prediction results for the turning, uh, we will also, instead of seeing that movie, we will be seeing a much more interesting movie uh, called Color Out of Space. The highly anticipated Color Out of Space, uh, an adaptation of the H.P. Lovecraft story of the same title, written and directed by Richard Stanley, his grand return to the screen after, what, 20 years almost? Starring Nicolas Cage! Yeah! So I've only seen one trailer for this movie. I'm super duper duper fucking hype for this i love lovecraft richard stanley is great and nick cage uh can't be beat tune back in with us next week to hear our thoughts on the color out of space uh before we sign off for the evening you know if we ever want to get off the floor of the ocean we're gonna need some money to to get us back to the surface so, uh, what's our sponsor for this week, Cleveland? Honestly, I just kind of wanted to read a little bit more of this article because of, like, just how liter- legitimately terrifying it is. So, I don't know, Oceanus? Like, go go read some Oceanus articles, man. Like, this stuff is fascinating, frankly. Like, check out this quote. Um, what we found is that these microbes are really active and quite fast-growing, Severe said. In fact, based on our shipboard experiments, some can double their numbers within a few hours. That's at least as fast as many of the microbes we find uh, in the surface ocean. That's nuts, man. Like, these things, like, are growing at, like, super fast rates. I don't know, man. Like, C- Cthulhu's are real. I'm, ju- I'm just saying. I'm, would, I'm pretty spooked out. This this episode's brought brought to you by, like, scientifically, like, backed existential, like, horror. I'm terrified, y'all. I would say like, that I would say that the monster in this movie is, uh, would be more analogous to Dagon instead of Cthulhu because Dagon was the father of the Deep Ones, who were the half-fish, half-people race that lived uh, in the deep sea off the coast of Innsmouth. Um, so despite the tentacle beard, I would say that that was really not quite Cthulhu. It's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Uh, I guess that was our sponsor for this week. Well, uh, tell you what, tell you what, so, so that y'all aren't, y'all aren't feeling like you're missing out. Uh, this week is brought to you by Day Be Gone. Tired of those horrifying Lovecraftian creatures uh, making everything all aquatic and fishy? Worry no more with Dagon, Davygon, our uh, our anti-Lovecraftian spooky spray. Spray the uh, uh, spray the day away. <laughs> spray the day away. Excellent. There you go. Thank you. Spray the day away. Uh, I just read it from the copy. Dagon's day, day be gone. Get gone and get getting with your getting of gone. You go getters. Get gone with day be gone. Great. All right, well, that'll bring us to the end of this week. While the getting's good.
<laughs> God damn it. That'll bring us to the end of this week's episode. If you like the show, please go on to Apple Podcasts and smash those five stars and leave us a nice review. Tell us what you like about the show. Tell us what your favorite episode is. By God. Uh, by gone. By gone. By day gone. Uh, uh, oops, drop my phone. <laughs> Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod and uh, let us know, what did you think of Underwater? Are you with us and think that it's uh, an underrated, possibly cult classic film, or do you think it's trash? Uh, fuck you, it's January, Fodder. You know, you know what? For you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna start calling it a good job. It's January because <laughs> movies like this and Annihilation. You know what? It's it's uh, January is is all about, you know, overcoming that expectation for the movie to be terrible and showing us up. And I I that's what I appreciate about it, man. For from here on out, I'm I'm going to start calling it this way worse term, which is Good job, it's January. Good job, it's January. Well, uh, you can also follow us on Letterboxd uh, at letterboxd.com slash podpeoplepod, where you will find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and the links to those reviews. You can follow me on Twitter at DeepStateOzzy. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets, and uh, I have a Letterboxd at uh, letterboxd.com slash coin96. Yeah, I think my personal Letterboxd is slash M. Van Rossum. I'm not 100% on that, but whatever. I don't write reviews on there anyway. I'm a pleb who doesn't fuck with Letterboxd. Instead, I occasionally tweet for Light Arc Studio as we continue to work on our lovely, lovely, super spooky and dark and creepy and spooky and dark uh, game. It stares back. Uh, go check it out. It's on Steam uh, in early access. What we have out is really good quality, and we're extremely proud of it. Uh, it's got a nice polish and shine on it. Come give us your thoughts and opinions in our Discord as well. You can also find my work uh, under Cleveland Mosier on ArtStation. Check out some super spooky and cool uh, concept art and design. I'm all about that astral horror, fam. Go look at it. Look Hell at yeah. Spookies. Throw a follow and like at me on my ArtStation because my... Uh, my ego is fragile, and I need I need uh, data to tell me I'm I'm a good person. Do it, uh, yeah. If you do want to follow our Discord, our uh, Light Arc Discord, you can find the link to that uh, on the Light Arc Studio Twitter account or at lightarcstudio.com. That's studio singular, not studios. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for listening. Tune back next week for a continuation of Good Job, It's January, yeah. and be prepared <laughs> for some more uh, neon-drenched Nicolas Cage horror madness. Uh, we're looking forward to it, and we hope you are, too. Until next time, don't... Don't go swimming to the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> the, 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 text, the, the text at the bottom of the screen for Underwater is also really cool. Bye. <laughs>